Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. This week we have another fun one. Lined up is part two of my conversation with Daniel Stewart and Alex Weir of Weir Stewart down in Savannah, Georgia. These guys are a lot of fun to say the least. And still one of my favorite episodes is the first conversation we did with them. If you haven't listened to that one yet, maybe check that one out first back on our catalog at obsessedshow.com, or you can find that on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. But for now, without further ado, please enjoy part two of my conversation with Ware Stewart. Okay, guys, I am super excited to welcome back from Ware Stewart, my friends, Daniel Stewart and Alex Ware. Guys, welcome back for a part two. I'm not only excited that you're here, I'm excited that you guys reached out and said, hey, we can't wait to tell you more and all the things that are happening. So welcome back to Obsessed with Design. Happy to be here. Yeah, appreciate it, Josh. You know, we've got we got tons of feedback the first time that we were on uh, the podcast from design. I mean, even non-designers, but, you know, certainly tons of designers that have sent resumes and it just gets referenced all the time. Hey, I heard you on this podcast obsessed with design and uh, has, has just been a really cool thing for us. And really, because of, I think, <laughs> how, how, how honest we were the first time around, uh, it's been a pretty good uh, filtering device. For people that either really resonate with our attitude and how we talk about things and what our design mantras are. And if they don't dig it, we never hear from them. So it's, uh, it's been pretty good. Excellent. Well, um, just coincidentally, I was having uh, coffee with my podcast editor, which is not something I get a chance to do very often. It was just this morning. And I said, oh, yeah, I've got the Ware Stewart guys back on today. And she's like, oh, yeah, those guys were so much fun. So it's always cool to hear you know, somebody who does this for a living, she, she really? you guys stood out to her out of the <laughs> past 90 episodes and she remembered the conversation. So, so, so your, your fans, they want to hear more. I bet she remembers it because I imagine that was an editing nightmare <laughs> because I can't imagine there's more than a quarter second gap and, and either talking to each other or talking over each other. But or, what, what's, what's or, their name? The editor, uh, the brassy broadcast company. All right. Well, thanking you in advance. Yeah, my theory on my theory on that is that we are the biggest rednecks that you've ever had on, and just judging from our southern accents, uh, we we stick out a little bit, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm going I'm with. Wondering, I'm thinking like Kendrick and um, guys like that. I mean, they're from that's Florida, Florida, man. Florida. That doesn't Florida count. Doesn't really count. <laughs> I mean, it's plenty redneck, but it, well, I'm. I'm Love for Florida. We've had, uh, you know, we've had plenty of British accents on the show, so I think you guys might be the only, the only true Southern flair that we've had here. I wonder if Southern guys can go over to England and go to the bar and have like English chicks just like, oh my god, this guy's so great and smart. Because I swear, when I was in college, every single and it was probably fake half the time. Whenever anyone would go into a bar and it was like a foreign exchange student from England, this guy could he could be like a four on a scale of 10, <laughs> but if he was over, if he was over five, six with I'm a British accent, it. he was like a, he was like a 10. He's <laughs> killing it. So what are we talking about design? I don't know, man. We could spend the whole show talking about accents if you want, but um, Daniel, we were talking a little bit at the top of the show that turns out you guys have added a few people to your team. Tell us about what's going on at where Stewart and you know, where this growth is coming from. Yeah. So uh, we last talked probably a little over a year ago. 
And around that time, you know, me and Alex were really trying to figure out, you know, exactly what we want this place to be. And the, the reason we got started and is still the reason why we come to work every day now, you know, we want to do good work and we want work to be seen and appreciated uh, by as many people as possible. And we want to enjoy ourselves and enjoy the people that we're doing it with as much as possible. I feel like a lot of the growth and, and decisions that we've had to make from a business perspective have happened to us versus us like really making a plan and, and, and attacking something. It's more like, oh God, like it's like when the dog catches the mail truck kind of thing and then you have to figure it out after that. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think that's what a lot of people do. You say, I mean, you say yes in general, you know, if you want to get things done. So, you know, on occasion you get asked to do things that you're not sure how to do and you say yes, and you figure them out and then that becomes another part of services you're offering and then and then we got to figure out a lot of what we're doing now design air quoting design it's not graphic design it's kind of trying to design sort of the processes around what where we have found ourselves today that's right so i think that we were about maybe 14 13 or 14 people uh, a year and a half ago and now we are uh, around 20 you know 21 with an intern kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that, that's a big jump. That's fast growth for us. And we strategically added a handful of people um, into uh, divisions that we have created here at the agency. I don't think that we I don't think we had this fully fleshed out uh, last time. But, you know, when when the dog catches the mail truck like we did, like we had this big <laughs> influx of work and our clients are now more medium to large than small to medium, you know, and we're like, how are we going to get all this stuff done? How are we still going to maintain, uh, you know, the level of quality without having to revert back to like year one when Alex and I were together where we worked every single night and every single weekend, you know, mm -hmm. how are we going to do it? And on the business side, you know, we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, all right, well, when we were just a couple of people, it was easy for us to wrap our minds around the overhead and and what it took to get things done so in that same kind of thinking we we categorized all the different types of services that the agency does and all of the people that do that work and we we thought about those divisions as tiny little small businesses within the agency it doesn't really work out perfect but it's a really good starting point for us to make sure that we have the right people in the right role that we are doing enough work for that division to be profitable and the folks in those roles have a way to understand what their career path is, like how do they grow, what's the next step, that kind of thing. So if I look down from our conference room at our big table and I see 20 people and I'm like, oh, this is this is one thing that I got to figure out how to how to make profitable, that's super scary. But if I say these three people over here are in our interactive division, and these two people over here run our are in our media division and these four people over here are in our content creation division i can you know much easier you know kind of associate you know costs with proposals and services and and, and that kind of thing so well, it sounds more like three small businesses too it's it's not so much that you're you're selling and feeding one big machine you're you're really kind of thinking about how do we funnel work to all these different groups and keep these individual teams busy. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it's sort of like 
you know, we didn't study for any of this and we we're both designers. So it's kind of like design thinking. Like when you have to do a publication, you know, there's going to be a folio. There may be a way you treat photos. There may be how you do pull quotes. And so it's kind of taking a big, massive thing, like Daniel was saying, it's sort of hard to understand or intimidating and breaking into those smaller little pieces. Like let's pick the type and then let's decide what, you know, the color scheme is going to be and sort of creating the, you know, the larger thing from smaller parts just so you can begin to even start on it. One of the things that that kind of thinking produced was uh, us kind of developing a, a layer of management for the first time ever. And, you know, historically it's been kind of me and Alex and then, and then everybody else. And if you were, you know, more on the account side, you ended up kind of looking at me when you needed help. And if you're on the creative side, you end up looking at Alex. And several of the roles that we added were kind of that, uh, that kind of manager level, which is pretty new for our agency and has, has, has helped out a ton and has allowed us to kind of magnify our, our influence because it just got to a point where Alex can't be a creative director on, you know, from start to finish on every single project. So, or, you know, really, you know, lead kickoffs with the entire team all the time. I mean, that would be, every minute of every day creating mood boards and creative briefs and things like that. And so, you know, he's still involved in design. He's still involved in client meetings. Uh, he's doing a ton of strategy work on, on top of design. So it's helped us become uh, a lot more efficient. We got a lot of tables. It's a lot going on, but it's fun. A big, a big thing about now is kind of with a, you know, with, with some, some growth we've had is, is keeping, keeping the culture where it needs to be. Which is, which is kind of a fun project to undertake. Yeah, keeping the culture where it needs to be on the Instagram account is super easy. You know what? Like seven out of our 10 Instagrams, people are drinking. Right. And we don't, right. I, don't know that, I don't know that some big client goes to your Instagram and says, damn, these people are drinking all the time. Or a, Again, we or would a, we would never look at and be if, like that place looks cool. If they don't, if we, if we don't hear from them, you know, we we would never know. But I swear, I mean, I've had many people over the past couple of years say, "I reached out to y'all because you know y'all posted something and everybody was drinking Miller Lite, and y'all are my kind of people." <laughs> Somebody did say that once. <laughs> no, I mean, it's happened a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I, no, I remember specifically the Miller Lite reference. So the, the, you know, Alex kind of speaking to the, to the culture kind of thing, you know, it, when you are a, a tight knit group like we are and, you know, there are so many variables in, in terms of happiness, right? So not, you know, the happiness is not, Hey, I can go to the fridge and get a beer at 3 PM and go back to my desk if Sometimes I want to. That's the opposite of happiness. That's true. Like, drinking. yeah, like if all the girls have wine at their desk super early, you're like, oh, man, this place, we're, we're doing really great. Or it's like, Ugh, right. I'm, I'm wine sad. What what we try to do, I mean, ultimately, the thing that makes people really happy is they feel like they're they're good at their job. Right. And that they can complete projects in in a timely way and they have enough time to work on things and and they're proud of it at the end. And there are just so many things that happen through the course of a project that put that aspect of your job in danger, you know, that we're, that we're trying to figure out. Can I ask you something, Josh? Oh yeah. You've had a similar experience like this when you're, you know, when you're kind of figuring it out, like we're doing along the way, 
you tend to talk about the things that are wrong, not the things that are right. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like you've got, you, you have things and you're like, well, that could have gone better or we could be more efficient in this process. And so you kind of focus around, you know, the things that aren't going right, even though 90% of things are going right. And, and it kind of, it begins to feel like it's a little, a little nag, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was short for negative, but you know what I'm saying? So yeah, you, you kind of have to be intentional about celebrating some things. Yeah, there was a, a coach that we worked with uh, a few years ago, and hopefully this isn't too woo-woo, but he took us through this exercise called Peaks and Valleys. And so the whole team's in the room, and he was like, okay, everybody, I want you to think about a peak moment, something that was really exciting, like something that brought everybody together or something that that you personally were really proud of. And then tell me about a valley. What was a time when things were not good? So it was a good way to like balance that out and get that all out on a like on whiteboard and he even did it like chronologically. So just draw this up, down, up, down, up, down. And then like, okay, that was 2004. Okay. That was 2012. And then kind of marked it all out and really helped you get, get your arms around like what was going on culturally and, and which of those events that were peak moments that you could say, man, that was, that was really good. How do we do more of that? How do we find more experiences like that? And then how do we avoid those, those Valley things and, you know, just make sure we're, documenting things right so that that doesn't happen again or you know just watching out man i love that kind of stuff so that that happens naturally a little bit with us uh because this this agency is a is a 50 50 co-ownership deal between me and alex mm-hmm. and i just i was you know i was at lunch with a, a potential new hire uh yesterday and i was like let me let me let me just kind of break down what, what me and Alex are, you know, a yin yang, right? You've got the, right. you've got the, the white side with the little black dot. That's Alex. And then you've got the black side with the little white dot. That's me. So, you know, almost anything that happens in this agency, I, I take, you know, Alex is the eternal optimist, super positive all the time is not going to let a ton of stuff, get them down. And I don't like to refer to myself as pessimistic because I don't think I'm pessimistic. I think Man, that I'm a realist. I'm a, I am a realist. And that's how we know you're a pessimist. Yeah. Where people are going to be like, Oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And I'm like, that's not going to be that bad. I mean, this will be easy. Part of that is, is just trying to bring the, uh, the hope in, in, in a situation that could look on its face to be very bad. So I'm always kind of like the, nah, that'll be easy. We'll, we'll hook up. We'll just, We'll come up and we'll hook up this podcast thing like five minutes before Josh gets here. There's nothing to it. It's, you know, got, he's got this app and we end up jacking around with it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. For, 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 for for those of you that just clicked listen about 15, 15 minutes ago, know that there was like 20 minutes of like Stanford and Son rigging up. Like, I mean, it was crazy. Uh, And, and honestly, if we didn't have Judah and Marit, I mean, there's no way we would have been able to, to hook up these mics no, and figure it out. It would have been like, Josh, how you look next? We'll, we'll write you a letter. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be that would be very hipster if, if it was just correspondent. Now, Alex, you write us a Alex, we open it, read it, we write your answer back, and we record the podcast over the course of a year. We could do that for episode three. Alex is too Gen X to be enthusiastic about like learning new technology and social media I, stuff. I do, I do have an issue with that. Yeah. It's I'm, just, I'm, I don't know that it's pessimism and I, the Gen X thing is broad, but 
I don't do some of the things that I should do or embrace some of the things I should embrace. As a, as a creative director of an agency? Right. I mean, just in terms of, not in terms of doing my job, but in a lot of the periphery things that people are really, really good at that I'm not good at. Um, it's because on some level that I can't get around, I, I just, I'm keeping it too real with myself. <laughs> right. And, uh, and don't get, I'm not telling the guy to like Instagram is breakfast or anything, but like he'll design, you know, 10, ten boiled egg I have a day. Right. I mean, he'll, he'll design like 10, 10 logos in a row. And I was like, will you just remind people that you're a good designer and a creative director like every now and again? Yeah. <laughs> I figure it could help. But I, you know, I just, I don't know how you feel about those things either, Josh, but there's, there's something, and I, again, this, maybe this is a personality flaw for me, or maybe this is a good thing, but I just don't think I'm that interested. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, and then there's just the weird, that to me, the, 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 the weird thing about social media is, is like the, the curation. You talk about the peaks and the valleys, all peaks, baby. All people on oh, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Any good Instagram feed. You know, there, I didn't. I didn't Instagram when uh, when my sewer line got hit in my backyard this week, and I had a big hole full of. But that might have gotten a lot of likes. Dislike. <laughs> yeah. You're my enemies would love it. Yeah, it's yeah. You're in it. You're in it. Your 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 enemies would love seeing a river of doo doo going through your backyard. They would. So I was just talking to some friends of mine who who own a professional services business here in uh, in Indianapolis, and we we're talking about how. And I don't think this is actually just Indiana people. They're like, man, people from Indiana are so horrible at tooting their own horn. They're they're just too humble sometimes, and like. You know, you, you get the expensive consultant who flies in to speak at something and you're speaking there and that guy's done three of these deals and you've done 50 and everybody thinks he's the, he's the big shot. And I don't think it's New York versus Indianapolis. I mean, I mean, you guys are saying the same thing. I think it's just maybe creatives in general. Sometimes we're not, we're not all great at just reminding the world that we're, we're doing good work out there. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe there's something wrong with Instagram and your breakfast every day, but. Being out there and reminding the market what you do and showing off a little bit. It's okay. I don't do breakfast. I'm on that intermittent fasting tip because a guy with six pack abs on my Facebook feed that has been showing up every day since like mid December is telling me, is telling me that I need to wait 16 hours in between meals and I'm going to be air quotes shredded, uh, like him. So I'm on that, uh, I'm on that new year, new me tip. You have body shame. Right. I have paid Instagram app. Listen, I am, I am, a, I am, I am a unapologetic sucker for for advertising. I mean, I found like right, so. I'm 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 a very I'm a I'm an average height dude. I'm very average, right? But pants don't not fit. Very average, you mean? Maybe oh maybe God. like maybe like an inch <laughs> under. Like I'm like five eight, but pants don't fit me. Josh can't find any pants that are thirty three in the waist and 29 in the length and then boom the algorithm knows me and sends me a display ad for what i refer to <laughs> for what i refer to as honey i shrunk the j crew <laughs> and i bought the pants and gosh they fit amazing and i'm not going to give free ads to this company you can go out and find them for yourself Oh, uh, but like, seriously, like if you're like 35 in the waist, but like 27 length, 
they got the chinos for you, man. They have got your chinos <laughs> and they show up and they're great. But I tell you, we're, we're so preconditioned to like go to the J crew site and see these, just these dudes that are tens, right? I mean, they look so good, right? They're probably all six feet. You know, they're, they're, they're jacked, they're ripped. They all look great. They're super handsome. Their jaw looks like it's carved out of marble. And then you go to this other site that has like these realistic short models and you're like, oh my God, I'm one of these guys. <laughs> you gotta, self-esteem has got to be in a good place. But like at the end of the day, you just want your pants to fit. You don't care if it came from Honey, I Shrunk the Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Uh, we'll remit your payment for Dan's. <laughs> psychology session. Yeah, use a little bit like use that. use code uh, <laughs> Dan's pants for fifteen percent off on your next purchase. Yeah, we used to have this joke at our house that anytime the doorbell rang, my wife was buying something, so we just wouldn't let her answer the doorbell anymore. But now we got to take Instagram away from everybody because it's like every fifth photo is an ad. Oh yeah, like they know exactly who you are. I mean, that's that's I think that's kind of the underlying point here. Yeah. Is they, you know, big brother, big data, they're, they're tracking that stuff and they, they know which pants you need. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> like you were saying on the, the humility thing or the not putting your stuff, I think there is something around most designers of just people that if, if you're someone that creates for a living, I think it is a pretty humbling experience because those things are constantly being criticized by other people. You're sort of constantly judging the value of what you've done versus the value of what somebody else has done. And on the internet, you can see all of the people that are really, really awesome at it. And you just, you just get the feeling like, I don't really need to be talking about how big of a badass I am when there are all these other people that are plenty badass. I don't, when times we've done work, you kind of, kind of there's a point during the inception of making things where you kind of understand what the concept is and what the look is, and that's sort of exciting. And then you do it. And then for me, and as I've gotten older, it's gotten better, but it used to be, you look back at something you've done and I don't like it. Right. Yeah. Your favorite thing for me is always like my favorite things. The next one that I'm about to do. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like never mind all that other stuff. This next one's going to be awesome. And then and you're like, eh, well, maybe that next one, maybe the next pair of pants will be awesome. Mm-mm. Or more awesome. <laughs> I have reached the promised land. That's right. One in each color. No more guessing. You know that, um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but Daniel wore the same. This is, this is an oddly weird thing for a creative to do, but Daniel wore the exact same outfit for a year and eight months. It was probably, yeah, it was two years. Something like that. Just so, just so he wouldn't have to be burdened with the decision of what to wear. Yeah, but that's like, yeah, I mean, that's not unique to me. I mean, that's like Steve Jobs was doing that big time. And that's right. You know, so great minds think alike. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Steve are just very similar. (laughs) (laughs) It's one less, one less thing you got to figure out. And you're like, you know what? I know what I'm going to have for breakfast today. Nothing. I know what I'm going to (laughs) wear. Right. That's right. So you you don't have any challenges till you get to lunch. Like you're, you're good till noon. 100% of bandwidth being spent on the job at hand. That's right. Well, Hey, speaking of the job at hand and the kind of growth that you guys have had, just the keeping your, your radar open and interviewing and figuring out talent that's around and, you know, filtering all that. How, how does that kind of draw on your time versus like 
getting the creative work done, how much energy and effort went into that kind of growth? We have some unique challenges being in kind of a small to medium sized market. Um, you know, we're not a hotbed for designers. I mean, you go search Augusta, Georgia on Dribble, and like there's not a page two kind of thing. So, you know, there's not, there's, there's, there's not a ton of people in town. Um, a lot of young designers end up going to larger markets. That's where a lot of the work is. That's where a lot of the clients are. And that's where like the bars and the dudes and the chicks and the single people and everything are. So this town where we live, is kind of a sprawling town. It's, it's old. It's cool. We're downtown. It's got a cool kind of, uh, revitalized downtown. It's a couple of hundred thousand people. So it's not one of these, you know, one horse, one, one red light kind of places, but not a hotbed, you know, for talent. So, and then we have, you know, some strict parameters in terms of being a culture fit. So, you know, just because you're an awesome designer doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to like our style or we're going to like yours. We're fairly picky on those types of things. And, and that can be, that can be a challenge. And one of the things that we've never done is just because we land a monster project and we need to hire two people, we just don't get, you know, we don't pull the top two resumes off the stack and say, you know, all right, you're in the game. You know, there are times where I wish that we actually did that and would have made our lives a little bit easier. Um, but it's, it's time consuming for me. I'm a big time LinkedIn creep. I mean, so I'm constantly like CSI, you know, Augusta finding whether it's clients or marketing people or designers or, or what have you. I'm, I'm, I'm all up in your LinkedIn. So if, if you get that someone has viewed your profile email and you're in Augusta, there's there's a good chance that old Danny boys sliding into your LinkedIn DMs. We're excited to be going back down to uh, going to go back down to Creative South this year, which we've missed since we spoke. Yeah, since we spoke, we haven't been there because it's always been the same weekend um, with the Masters tournament, and so we could not go because of work obligations. This year, it's going to be after, so we can go because we actually got. Two guys used to work here. We actually met. At yeah, that's South. true. Yeah, Russ and Russ and Felix. We met for the first time at, at Creative South. I mean, so you know, for those of you that that don't know what that conference is, it's awesome. Uh, Mike Jones is a friend. Uh, they do an unbelievable job. It's not only great for designers um, to be inspired by you know other creatives and things like that. If you're looking to build a team, it's a great place to find creatives that have their mind right you know people that care about getting better you know so the the whole community down there in, in columbus georgia um at creative south is is good whether you're a business owner and hell i mean even if you're in-house marketing at a hospital or something like that you know if i was a marketing director at an institution i would i would be going to creative south and trying to it's, trying to find talent it's going to be interesting to see since we haven't been there in like three or four, four, four years four years yeah. How much more they're doing with it? Oh, they're doing a ton like more. They're blowing it up. Yeah, it's awesome. Pyrotechnics and whatnot. Yeah, how do you stay off the chain? Is that still stuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you don't need to be on social media. Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's just go go ahead and keep Alex off the socials. He is not. He is not woke in terms of uh, understanding the difference between tagging someone and hashtagging something on Instagram. He is unwoke. Yeah, I got bad practice. And that's the thing too. It's like, all right, I'll I'll participate a little more, and then everybody gives me a bunch of shit because I added somebody instead of hashtagging. Right. <laughs> it's like the, game, show the game's passed me by. 
that I didn't have. I didn't even have a cell phone until I was like 25. Maybe we should segue and you guys could tell me a little bit about what's up with showpony.co. Oh, yes. That's one of the things that we're most excited about that happened in 2017. Going back to what we were talking about with trying to understand our our divisions within the agency and breaking them down into like small businesses within the much larger business. And I, I would imagine a lot of people that have our job have this problem, right? So you get a client that comes in and they need a visual identity or branding and you create logos and all the things that they need and you provide them with brand guidelines and then you send them a Dropbox link of all of their brand assets and EPSs, PDFs, TIFF files, all that kind of stuff. And then a few weeks later, you see a hat walking down the street with a logo you designed like on the ugliest hat you've ever seen. The embroidery is maxed out as large as it can possibly be and it just looks like shit. And that that was... And that's... We, we started doing like branded merchandise stuff as, as a quality control measure because we got tired of seeing like somebody stretch a logo all the way across the coffee cup. Yeah. So, and ruin it. so we intentionally hired uh, a, a designer that we knew a guy named Sean Mooney that had, uh, had previous merchandise design uh, background. He's a well, good that designer. Was, that was the only person who just got lucky with Lauren. Lauren That's knew true. how to do it. And Lauren would do with, she was, she's our production manager. And, and the designer, and she knew how to do that stuff. And she's like, well, I can handle doing all this. And then really, the the process of that is so different than the process. Of, you know, all the other stuff like making websites, screen printing posters, doing ad campaigns, uh, making videos, those things all kind of make sense within how everything is structured. And then the buy stuff for people and hold it and get it embroidered and all that just, it, it doesn't work the same way. So it was already really out of the process. So it just made sense. About a year ago, we were like, all right, you know, this, this branded merchandise division within the agency probably has more opportunity being its own thing so that they can have clients that have no idea who where Stuart is. They can have their own processes and we can, you know, uh, kind of fulfill, you know, kind of a dream and goal that Alex and I have had, which is, you know, practicing what you preach with a sister company. So we got to name this company and, and brand well, it. That's a great thing because it's like kind of what do you call sort of a sort of a cocky asshole, you know? Right. Like a little peacock. Yeah, a little show, it's a little show pony. A little show pony. <laughs> right. And so, nice so, 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 so Sean's our partner in that company uh, and he runs it. It's, it's one block over from the agency. It's got a cool showroom where, where people can, can walk it's like by appointment only right so it's your it's like your brand's personal stylist it kind of feels like a, a nice country club locker room with some kind of you know jackassy we have a we have a fake uh a ghost ad that we painted on the wall for a male strip club in there called <laughs> cumberbund yeah that's a funny story different vibe so yeah we always said if we opened up a male strip club we were going to call it cumberbunds with a Z, and that's just been an inside joke for us for like years. And yeah, so, so we had the, so yeah, so we're one like one of the fun things about doing one of the fun exercises doing another brand for yourselves is like, what do we want it to be? And we're like, oh, we could we could paint because it is if you see it like if you go to the showpony.co and you can see like photos of it, it's really almost pretentious at, at some degree. 
Right. And like when you come in there, you get offered drinks and all kinds of stuff. But we still have a portrait of like a general with a horse's head and the male strip club ad on the wall. So there's that level of not taking it serious. Um, but that was a really fun brand to make and, and design and all that stuff. Yeah. This is great exercise. Yeah. So uh, we officially launched that company in July. We've added uh, another person to it. So uh, Show Pony has three full-time employees right down the street. You know, they're, they're family with the agency and they've got a really great thing going on. They're doing great work and, you know, people's branded merchandise game is being stepped up. So quality materials, curated promotional product, no more just wasting tons and tons of money, you know, slapping your logo on something for a trade show that ends up going in a swag bag, that ends up going into your trunk, that ends up going into your garbage in three weeks. So, you know, we kind of saw a need for that. And and this is also something that I think a lot of designers would agree with. You know, it's super cool to design things on the computer and make something really pretty and, and, and send a PDF. But when you hold it in your hands, when it's on something, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a cool moment. So by having Show Pony, we're, we're, we're having that feeling of making things real more and more often. Yeah. One of, one of our strategies with people that we create an identity for has always been like, what, what can we make like immediately, you know, to make it real to be, yeah, to make it real. And that used to be kind of like, just stop the process. There was any kind of just, you know, how you get those people, Josh. And it would be like, unless the deadline happens or, or, something occurs in reality, they will just continue to want things changed or messed with. If you just get one, everybody's like, oh my God, that's awesome. And the <laughs> next day you hand them a hat, it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> done. Well, they're not going to change the kerning on the hat. Yeah. Not, not anymore. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're super proud of show pony and, you know, Augusta is known for the master's tournament and golf and things like that. So we do have uh, a good bit of golf clients. Alex and I like to play golf, but hardly ever do because we still haven't figured out how to get out of this office for a half day. But we did like, you know, I mean, I we like did, one, of the, one of the goals like four years ago was a half like day every week. State of the office dress, like, you know what? We stood up like a now, bunch of badasses now, in front now, of everybody. Now this shit is running. We're out for like a half a day, and I think we did it twice. <laughs> yeah, I think every year. No, well, I'm impressed you pulled it off twice. Yeah, yeah, Tyson. Don't forget about it. Wasn't, wasn't too bad. Yeah, but Show Pony did uh, like Richard Petty's charity golf tournament, like giveaways. Yeah, <laughs> and that, and 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 that's not like you know that is not historically what designers will like think is the coolest shit on the planet. But for us, being able to say that we did something for Richard Petty is awesome. Yeah, and there's still a lot of you know, and like we said, it's curated stuff, and it's a high degree of of excellence in terms of design and execution so it's generally really really good look looking or different stuff right hey josh i have a favor to ask oh yeah when you get ready to to post this uh this podcast will you do a twitter poll uh so that we can once and for all uh know for sure that we have the best name for our male strip club being cumberbuns i would like for your audience to vote between <laughs> cumberbuns and then our other option, it was going to be a a golf themed male strip club this shouldn't even be called mm. Dimple. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, you've heard the challenge.
I mean, one of the Alex things, isn't a big research guy. He's not a big user no, testing no, guy. No, he's like not he's not into he's guy. not into focus groups. He's not a big we user testing guy. Testing. But like, if you, I, but it, I would bet you, Cumberbund got an has got to win that one. I don't know, man. If I went uh, like a big neon sign that was like all male review dimples, you know, I I don't know if I don't know if people just think it's charming that we can't stop being stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just we have this thing in our DNA where if you know we're gonna have this serious business, we're gonna put a male strip club out on the wall, or we're gonna go on Josh's podcast and talk about <laughs> Daniel's quest for pants. <laughs> There's definitely a theme here. Next week is as we talk about pants and uh, and internet body shaming and male strip clubs with Daniel and Alex of Where Stewart. I feel like those are all rites of passage, but nothing quite like the rite of passage of having some work up on brand new. Oh yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about what that experience I'll, I'll was. I'll tell like. you what, uh, you know, we love that site and we look I mean, look at it daily. So when we had something going up on there, I won't lie to you that the, the major emotion was it's fear. It's fear. <laughs> it is going to get destroyed. Yes. But I mean, it survived. Yeah. It was a favorable review. And, um, you know, and, and people had pretty decent comments. And I think, I think the thing that was pretty cool is it was a, it was a very sort of conceptual thing for Tax Slayer as identities go rather than just a, a straight design thing which is, I think, what got it to be liked by people or at least understood. So we, we were happy that we got through that one. On stage. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was one of the larger visual identity projects, branding projects we did uh, all of last year. And for those that don't know, Tax Slayer is a competitor to the big boys, right? You know, TurboTax, H&R Block, uh, those type things. And the company was actually founded and is based in Augusta, which is super weird. You know, it's weird to have a creative firm in Augusta. It's even weirder for a big technology software company to also be here. Yeah, even a bowl game. Yeah, has a bowl game. And, uh, you know, they've got, a, they've got a really interesting history. They have a, a, a decent percentage of the online tax prep market and are kind of poised to just keep chopping away market share at a lot of these big boys. So when we had the opportunity to, to work with them and, you know, kind of reposition them along with uh, some new leadership, uh, new CMO that's great to work with, a great marketing team that we work with daily to, to kind of change the, the thinking from, uh, they always used to refer to themselves as the tax players, right? And tax players is a wild name. I mean, let's, I mean, can, like, can we be real? I mean, that's a wild name. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, uh, you know, the founder's email was, you know, like the tax layer at, you know, mindspring.com yeah, or something it'd be like, like that. having design bro as a bowl game. <laughs> yeah. Because when you started the company, you were just design bro at yahoo.com. Yeah, that's right. You know, so it's got this kind of medieval imagery and, you know, the, the Knights Templar and like all this different stuff going on that, in the early 2000s, they kind of got away from and uh, had an identity that was very 2000, right? It, it was a, it, it was a word mark. It had a swoosh, um, and you know, lacked a little bit of the the unique personality that a name like Tax Slayer had. So we brought the knight back. We created an icon that's a knight knight's helmet. It's got a nice little uh, nice little Easter egg in there. It's got the kind of hidden T in the mask and 
cleaned it up and simplified it. But I think that one of the, the smartest things that our team and the tax layer team did together was from a strategic standpoint, go from referring to people that worked at tax layer as being the tax layers to referring to our customers as the tax layers and giving them the, the tools that they need to play their taxes, get the biggest return, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. I mean, that was just kind of a larger concept coming out of a, you know, an identity design that ends up sort of changing the way that, you know, you think about their overall approach. Yeah. Josh, did you go in and like vote it up like crazy and say good things about it? Oh, so many times. No, especially like the, um, the photo treatment and kind of applying the, the, the helmet or the mask concept over the, over the users. I definitely like the approach of letting the users own the brand as opposed to feeling like they're buying the brand. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, that really started out as a hyper literal way to sort of have everyone understand the concept. Mm -hmm. And it kind of resonated with everybody and then sort of, you know, ended up becoming uh, what it is today, which is sort of the lead imagery they use on. Yeah. And if, and if you've ever done your own taxes, I mean, when you finally sit down to the kitchen table and pull out your laptop to do it, you feel like you're going into battle. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to get every single deduction I can get. I've got all my paperwork laid out. I'm about to slay, you know, these taxes. And, you know, I think that that's just a really unique thing uh, to their brand that, that a lot of the the, the big boys and, and larger competition don't have. And so uh, they have the they have the ability to have a little bit more fun with it, and it's a big one, right? They do ten million. Yeah. What is it? 10, 10 million returns in a, in I, I a just, year. Again, so. you know, having that be on brand new and not getting destroyed was was a was a win. His his fragile Gen X no, it's not, ego I, I just have, couldn't handle it. I don't have a fragile ego about it. I just I would hate for someone to have paid us for something that the world universally agreed. You know, but that is, yeah, it happens all the time. I know it does, but that, you know, to me, those, those, those forms are scary because it, you know, it is design. It is look at everything and, and, and be really, really particular about all of it. Yeah. Another guy who's been on the show here. Um, he probably won't mind me saying this since he's posted it publicly, but Von Glitchka is dealing with some guy that's just trolling on his stuff right now that he keeps trying to to block the dude or whatever but it's just it's kind of ridiculous it's uh, this designer on designer violence kind of stuff of just like man we're all kind of in the same same game here it's cool to provide like feedback or criticism in a constructive sense or say hey if you're trying to do this i don't get that because i get this other thing but yeah just the 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 unbridled hate is just kind of silly wow yeah that's i can't believe somebody's getting on bomb like that's a nice guy we met Vaughn eight years ago in Denver at the Howe conference, and we went to uh, we we went to his talk, and he had the best talk he, of he that deal. His presentation he made a was unreal. Step up our presentation game like crazy. Oh his yeah, presentation was super interesting and had great visuals and had a bunch of good takeaways. But and yeah, but I'm with you. Like I, you know, I like, and I don't. I'm not personally on dribble a lot but you know i can see where especially if you're somebody that's working by yourself it's super helpful to have somebody make suggestions i mean one of the ways that we get a lot of stuff done around here and, and are really efficient is that we all sit at this one big table which i'm sure we told you 
but when you do that, I can turn, you know, I can be working on something. And when I get to the point where I'm making a decision about something, I can turn it to you, Josh, and say, Hey, what do you think about me angling this corner? Mm-hmm. You know, or, or what about, what about if I use this type of typography here? And immediately you can say, you know, I don't know, or, or yes or no. And then a lot of times what we do here is call it for and one, which is you, you don't criticize something without trying to prove it. So you don't say, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, I don't like that because, you know, these guys are really sort of techy. And what you're doing there is kind of is kind of making it feel a little bit analog. And that kind of stuff is good feedback. But just somebody going in and just hating on something uh, for no reason either means you don't have the intellect to understand it, you know, or you're just an asshole. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, it has been a pleasure catching up with you. Before I let you go, I can't let you go without asking you for an updated um, answer to what you each find you are most obsessed with right now. I'm obsessed with process right now. It's just something that I'm in and I know uh, I've got a couple of friends that are sort of, that are engineers and looking at how talking to people that are in different industries besides ours and seeing how they get things to happen and how they create efficiency and how people understand what they're responsible for and things like that are, are just kind of fascinating to me because, you know, we sort of organically went from two of us to 20. And when you do that, you know, you don't really need a bunch of hardcore systems because I'm I'm seeing you and talking to you all the time and everybody knows what's going on. But once you get to a certain level, you'd wonder, like, why isn't somebody doing this or that? And you're like, oh, because they never specifically got told to, you know, or there's not an actual process mm-hmm. for this to happen. And sort of thinking about outcomes you want and then sort of reverse engineering what it takes to get it there and cutting down things that are unnecessary. We spent a long time, you know, this last year getting a lot of work and kind of being short staff where we had to really understand how to get a lot done really quickly and have it be good from the design standpoint. And it just kind of forced us to build all this process. And so that kind of stuff fascinated me. And I, and I read, I read some book on the OODA loop. You know, that is Josh OODA. No, I don't know this one. It's a decision making process that like the spider pilot freaky genius guy came up with like in the seventies, he was in Vietnam. It's uh, it's way too complicated to unpack here, but just that kind of nerdy sort of stuff. That's kind of what I'm in. Well, I'm going to have to track this down. All the, we'll link to the OODA loop in the, in the show notes. Maybe find the, uh, find the Wikipedia page or something. And which just sounds super basic, but I enjoy LaCroix and I don't think I was drinking those the last time we spoke. <laughs> I'm a little obsessed with the coconut myself. The coconut mm. one is strong. I like that one, and I like the passion fruit. And I wake up every morning, and I pound one. <laughs> Love it. I am obsessed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> How has that changed? <laughs> last week? Which, well, that's the show, folks. <laughs> which I can't wait for all of our people to hear. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously a joke, but is serious as well. I mean, one of the things that I have to do at the agency is I have to figure out how to put us back at number one. We spent, you know, the past year or two. Uh, and he means as, as number one client. Yeah. Yeah. The number, yeah. The number one, the number one client. And, and I know that like, if, 
I started to write a blog post as like, you know, basically agency new year resolution cheat sheet and all agency owners could just copy and paste, you know, these 10 to 12 things that all of us say we're going to do, like fire that really shitty client and, yeah. and, and, you know, do better with change orders and make you your number one client. But I mean, that's true. Uh, you know, where Stuart has got to be back to our number one, we need to be doing more things like talking to you, Josh, and going to Creative South and improving our processes and self-promoting and trying to get more clients that are awesome, like Tax Player and our university and the stuff that is really what gets us going. So being somewhat, uh, you know, selfish I think is going to benefit us and it's going to benefit our current and, and future clients. So not just because it's January, but, but big self-improvement stuff. I'm reading a book right now called Sprint, which was written by um, some guys from Google Ventures and talks about a week-long process of how to solve complicated problems. And I'm going to try not to do the thing that I always do where whatever the latest book I read is, I come in and I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to do exactly what this but I'm going to pass it off to Alex. But only for like a yeah, week and a half. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah and, then, and then you do it twice. You know, and that goes back into the process stuff for Alex. <laughs> we, we owe it to um, ourselves and we owe it to everyone that is on this pirate ship with us to, to treat ourselves like the number one client. And I think that it will beget uh, happiness. Being, being a little bit more selfish and thinking about, thinking about us a little bit more is, is, is what I'm obsessed with right now. Excellent. Well, just for um, anybody who hadn't listened to episode one, I would say everybody needs to go back and listen to that, uh, our first chat on Obsessed Show. And outside of that, where else on the interwebs can everybody go to learn more about you guys? All of our handles are, are Where Stewart. That's W-I-E-R-S-T-E-W-A-R-T. I think that you can misspell it about every which way and still get there. Um, But where Stuart is our handles, Instagram, our website, wherestuart.com. I'd encourage people to go look at Showpony. That's showpony.co, showpony.co. Same thing on on Instagram. uh, So you can kind of see the visuals to go along with the story there. Um, The Instagram for where Stuart is is a strong follow. Lots of drinking and twinning and destroying old equipment. (laughs) In the back parking lot. I think it's, like a, it's a decent, it's a decent follow. It's good. Every now and then we'll post something we've designed. <laughs> That's right. Whether you need to or not. Well, guys, it's been a blast catching up. Thanks again for being on the show. Yeah. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's episode number 91 in the books as we inch ever closer to episode number 100. That's a major milestone for me. I don't know if you guys know this, but I am just absolutely tickled that people listen to this show and have supported us for almost 100 episodes. So if you want to do me a giant favor, tell somebody you know about Obsessed with Design. See if you can get some other folks that you know, other designers, fans of design, to listen to the show. And if you want to do me one better, head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review to help other people find the show. As always, tweet at Josh Miles. I promise I actually do tweet back. And at Obsessed Show, let me know what you think about today's show. If we should do more three-way conversations like this, uh, or if you have any other suggestions about who else we should talk to. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. 
And of course, our show was edited by the talented Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit BrassyBroad.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.